Welcome back to another episode of Rise to Liberty. This morning, I am joined by Gian, the Zen Master. How are you doing this morning? I'm very good. Thanks, Jacob. And thanks for having me. No problem. I guess it's actually uh, evening over in your part of the world. but Yeah, it's like uh, five, 5 o'clock around, or 8, or 6, six o'clock, I think. Mm-hmm. That's not too bad. So, uh, one thing that we had been uh, trying to get together and talk about was uh, failure and the fear of failure. Um, this this seems to be something that kind of, I, I, I would say, it cripples a lot of people. Um, it, it prevents, I, I think, a lot of people from being able to really pursue things that make them happy um, and really achieve everything that they possibly could achieve if they weren't held back. So do you kind of want to jump in there? Yeah, I think uh, we should just walk in there. The jumping wouldn't make sense because it's a huge topic. So yeah, yeah, we have plenty of time. So let's just look at it. Yeah, together. Yeah, of course. It's a very uh, mm-hmm. oh, go ahead. It's a very uh, interesting topic, I think, to many people uh, nowadays. I, if I go to social media, um, we met, uh, I think, on Clubhouse. So there's plenty of rooms uh, about this topic. So the fear of uh, failure, but also the imposter syndrome. Is that um, are you familiar with that? I am. I am. It's uh, it's actually something that happens quite a bit with uh, people who do anything w- within the public realm. Um, you know, it, it's a, a big conversation amongst uh, podcasters, um, especially. It's, uh, you, know, you know, the question is, is always like, well, who, who am I to be telling people or talking about these things? Like, why should people listen to me? So it it is a big discussion amongst the podcasting community. Yes, it is a big discussion amongst the uh, creator community, the people who show themselves. But also, it is uh, a big discussion among uh, among the people who are not showing themselves, and that's why they don't show themselves because they are afraid. They are afraid to make mistakes, but they're also afraid with, as you said, who am I to speak? And having no voice or feeling that they have no voice or or that they are, their voice is not valuable. So yeah, on both sides, yes, it's true. And uh, first of all, before we look at the problem itself, we have to realize that there are two worlds two worlds and two different kinds of people, let's say, because you cannot have the same solution for everyone. So I would distinguish it in two parts to make it simple. Of course, it's much more complicated because in the end, everyone is different and the solutions are individual. But to simplify it, let's take two different types. And one type of human is the one who went 
and I would say it's the normal so for so so called normal type of person who went through the school system through the western kind of school system university or uh, college as you say in uh, in us so um and kindergarten all that system right you go through that system the normal system i don't talk about montessori system like the special kind of schooling right <clears throat> so if you go through that system if you look at it that system is made to uh, make for the working class it's made for it didn't change too much and it is made um, for making the children good abiding um, uh, workers and um, listening to the government listening to what they are um, told and uh, with a very clear structure moral structure and um, what is right what is wrong black and white kind of dual perception <clears throat> and um, not too much thinking for themselves and not too much questioning either so what does it make to a, to a child if you look at the child is there really any child who's stupid if you look at children, how is it possible that they learn so fast languages and so fast things that um, if you look at someone, an adult person who had an accident and then has to relearn to walk, it takes years. The child learns so fast and so, uh, so efficient. I think more efficient in a way than adults do. And so how is it possible that children do that if they are if there are some children who may be dumb i don't believe that there's any child who is dumb or stupid i think there is different types of intelligence and we have uh, to find out what is the type of intelligence of your of the child but also there is this general uh, awareness and intelligence which gives the child the power to to accomplish to learn languages to to learn to walk pretty fast and very efficient so and then it goes to to the parents the parents usually well nowadays western type of parenting is helicopter parenting usually right so the parents are uh, in this in working eight ten hours a day have in america Many have three jobs. So you create a child, you have no time for the child. Who is taking care of the child? The grandparents, the kindergarten, some, some other people. Those people cannot really take time for their child and on an individual level. They work on a, on a mass level. So they have 20 children, so they cannot attend your child individually for too long. Well, so what does it all mean? It means that the child does not develop as it could it means that the child has all that abilities and all that potential and it is mostly wasted but then it goes to the school to the kindergarten to the school and what are they teaching you they're teaching you what is right what is wrong um, they're teaching you about things that you have to remember so they feed your mind but do, do, do not teach you how to think 
They don't teach you critical thinking. They don't teach you self-awareness. Know, your, know yourself, as Platon said, right? They don't teach you to know yourself. They don't teach you uh, to question yourself, question things, to how to discover things by yourself. All they do is just give you formula. You learn that formula and then you apply that formula. And that's it. So what do you become? You become like a, like a computer who is just programmed to do and to be what other people decided for you, mostly. And so then with time um, and development, maybe if you're lucky, you may find more things out of yourself, about yourself than, than you knew. But if you're not so lucky, you may just go on forever until maybe you, you realize you don't even know who you are. Maybe you never realize that. So that's the midlife crisis, they call it. It's, and it's also the puberty. The puberty for a child is often nothing else but the realization for, for the teenager that he or she or they uh, realize that they are more than the parents told them or their society told them. And so they try to free themselves from all that limitations and boundaries. So the stronger the puberty is, the stronger was probably the type of conditioning that happened to them. So that is to just generally, you know, um, not to make it too long, that is the one type. And so for this type, especially failure is in, in, it, very important. It's the most important thing to do. Why? I guess you have already an idea. You want to comment on that or as you like, I can go on. Well, it, it kind of seems as though um, going through Western education it almost seems as though failure at least now at, at one point in time it was more of uh you do not succeed unless you fail and and now it seems entirely different it seems as though that failure could even mean the the failure to the system itself because like you said they do not teach you to question. Um, they, they just teach you to remember to be an, an obedient little worker. And so it seems as though that uh, failure could even be a, a rebellion of sorts. That to, to fail means that you are bringing dishonor to not only yourself, but to your family and to your place in society. Um, and it kind of just, at, at least here in the States, that's kind of what it seems like they're pushing for. And so it just to push you further to never question um, and to just fall in line. Yes, exactly. There, there's many points that you said to, we could uh, go, go on to, to them. Yes. So for instance, um, what you say reminds me also on belonging. So uh, if you learned all your life, you learned that you are nothing without the group and you cannot really create any, anything worth without the others, without the, be belonging to the, to the group. 
and you don't learn as an individual to truly think and self-reflect, critically self-reflect, then all you have left is belonging, belonging to that group. So in that moment you fail, it means that uh, you're not, you're nobody, you're nothing, and you have no belonging, you don't belong to anyone. And that's the most horrible feeling that uh, we can have. And it is not because of failure, it is because we were conditioned to not belong to ourselves, but belong to the nation or belong to the family or belong to the company. Like in Japan, you see that as a lot. Yeah, and I do not say that this is uh, completely wrong. Actually, in the West, um, we have a lot of individualism right now, which is not true individualism because everyone is same in that individualism. It's not. Um, it's more on the outside. On the inside, it's the same. So it's like, okay, I take another glass or I take another lipstick or something, but in the, in the inside, it's the same. Everyone, it's actually worse than ever before. It seems that everyone thinks now the same, more than ever. And if you are outside of the, the sameness, you will become an outcast much far, faster than ever before. Also, thanks to the media, of course, thanks to the, to the vastness of media and the power of it. So, um, yeah, belonging is a very important thing. We need belonging, but at the same time, we need to find who we truly are. We need to find our own belonging within ourselves. And we need to find out who we truly are. And so how can I know who I am if all my life I was conditioned to be someone that I am not, mostly? So how can I find that out? How can I find my potential? How can I find my... Uh, my abilities only through mistakes only through failure it is by failure that I fail in that system that I fall out of that conditioning and for the first time I see oh wow what is going on and so at that moment when I fail I realize the walls the box in which I am living and failure gives me the opportunity to actually get out of that box so what happens then is that the box is so dark and nobody has a flashlight because nobody gave that nobody we don't have guides usually if you don't have a guide if you don't have people who could support us outside of that box which is rare still then it is very dark it is very uh, frightening and so we look for something where we can get back to like we, we look for some group or some extre extremism or some extreme uh, where we can find that belonging if we cannot find it anymore where we had it before. So it gets more and more extreme then. And um, what, that's also what we see, that the more there are so many people now who do not have actually a belonging within themselves nor within society because society doesn't give it to them anymore that people just find themselves in extreme groups and there is now huge uh, groups with uh, extreme views fighting each other more and more we see that uh, everywhere now yeah and it's because society doesn't give us a way to be ourselves 
without being immediately persecuted if we are different and because we are not provided with that inner knowledge to know ourselves. So that is the first kind of personality and we mostly we, we will have to talk about failure on that plane. There is the other plane, the, the, the human being who did not went through such a system, maybe because his parents um, took care of that child um, uh, and really were there and educated and showed and also by being by being the light they want to see in the world. So not just changing the world, by being the light that you want to see. So that means that uh, when you want to, to teach your child something, the most important thing is that you yourself accomplish that what you want to teach. And you yourself can live it up, live it to, um, to the fullest and not just talk about it. So this is very important. Not just knowing it, but living it, being it. It's very rare again to see. And so when you have such a child who went through that kind of, or maybe even Montessori school or some special kind of school, and even that kind of type of school doesn't mean anything because if the teachers are small-minded there, uh, that school will not teach the child anything. So it, it will be again the same kind of system and conditioning just a bit different but same conditioning so the most important um, is that the parents take uh, time for their children but especially take time for themselves for their own development first number one is you have to develop yourself only then you can really teach something to your child truly because the child especially is very open to what you are actually vibrating what you're actually living and not so much what you are saying or or showing to them even your action is less important than what your vibration actually is yeah if you're speaking all the time i know many people so many people work even giving workshops about love but their vibration is anger <laughs> so they're like talking all the time about love 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 but the vibration is anger 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 how can you teach about love if you don't actually yet manifest it within yourself? It doesn't make sense. I understand that they are teaching it for themselves. It makes sense too. But then they should be honest about it. So if such a person goes through that system then and learns to self-reflect, and what is it for a child to learn to self-reflect? Well, just let the child experience itself be yourself self-reflective the child will become self-reflective too if you are the child will become you don't need to tell your child oh become self-reflective doesn't work so your if your child is self-reflective critically also starts to ask questions develops its own mind you will see that the child actually has tremendous wisdom the wisdom which is not the wisdom of the child itself, but the wisdom of the universe, the wisdom of life. Every child is born with it. And that's, um, if you never experienced that as a child, you will always um, have a very strong fear of failure and a very strong sense of imposter syndrome because you're not connected to the source. You're not connected to the universe within yourself. I mean, from where are we coming from? from nothing okay but 
nothing is just a word. What is that nothing? Nothing. We know as scientists, if you are scientific, then we know there is not such a thing like nothing. So every, even the vacuum in space is not nothing. So where is that such thing like nothing? We never actually, in science, we never observed nothing. It's impossible. So, so I suggest, and that's also what Zen suggests, is there is not such a thing like nothingness. Nothingness is fullness, and fullness is nothingness. It's a paradox. But nothingness without fullness does not exist. So that that's really interesting. Um, uh, one one thing I want to bring up, and this kind of ties in with the the fear of failure stemming from childhood. Uh, have you ever heard the the term or the the saying that children should be seen and not heard? Yeah. It's, uh, it's actually a, a common uh, way now, uh, becoming more and more common, uh, how to educate children. It's like an education base. It's also used in Montessori. So for instance, rather than tell them something, uh, show them and let them just experience without words. Is that what you mean? So, I mean, that's, that's what I would like it to mean typically here in the states it, it means something much different it's it's uh not even sure what you would call it an idiom uh i i believe that it, it's it's a way to stifle children's creativity and uniqueness to where they should already be born behaved little adults is typically how it's used and mm -hmm. you know they they shouldn't be laughing they shouldn't be playing experimenting testing boundaries um it seems as though my generation um i i'm at the beginning of millennials and my generation kind of rebelled against that and went the extreme opposite direction like you were talking about you know the two polar opposite extremes and it seems as though the children should be seen and not heard was typically from a previous generation and now children are left without any structure um although i still do see the children should be seen and not heard um, amongst the previous generation. Um, and I'm just wondering, could that expectation of children to already be behaved, well-informed little adults taking away their childhood, basically, could that be one of the causes of this fear of failure? Hmm. <clears throat> well, it's, this is very complex. It's very interesting. Uh, in a way, what, from what I observe, children who are brought up that way, so already um, being adults and um, behave, but or already know about themselves so much, even uh, define their sexu clear sexuality, their clear gender, even though they're still children, 
all those things like you can say it's an ex it's the other extreme there was the, there is the extreme of treating your children like little babies like little dolls and honestly i i do not like such children uh, i'm honest about it when i see a child who is made by their parents a doll i do not like that child it's not that i don't like the child i just don't like that education that their parents gave to the child that example that conditioning that they gave to the child because the child is both a baby innocent but it's the same time full of wisdom and full of everything for the whole universe and i i asked myself why do i not uh, like i talked once with my wife and said uh, i do not like children i think but then i realized it's not children that i do not like it's just that conditioning because i know children i love I, immediately there is a connection and uh, i know now why it's i don't i like any children but i do not like that conditioning that children are given sometimes and often actually like that conditioning of oh you're my little baby or like my little barbie or my little boy you know and they treat them like little dolls and like little dogs but like little like you can see they have maybe a lot of suffering or they do not feel safe in their life so they create their that safe heaven and the child is for them a kind of a part of that safe heaven or haven and that's not good for the child obviously but then again what is good what is bad it's the way they do it and we have to judge it but at the same time we don't so if you judge it only if you only see the negative of it you do not see the bigger picture the bigger picture is that this is the development this is the evolution of human humanity and it has it needs time to come to that state it cannot be forced so you can point it out and those who can hear they will hear it those who are not ready to hear it they won't so this is the one extreme the other extreme is the child who is very early on not allow not allowing the child to become to be a child and everything that you just said so being already an adult knowing oneself this type of children we see a lot now especially in social media very confident super confident seems like they already achieved everything like um, they can do anything they know everything and i think this is a huge huge problem and uh, this problem is showing now in our times very much in politics because as you see now we we are the rhetoric the political rhetoric was never so openly speaking about nuclear wars for instance never happened before now everyone is like no problem that's just shoot a nuclear bomb somewhere you know no why not doing that you know so it's like people are so overconfident and i mean partially maybe it's because of the movies also it's all about superman superheroes uh that's just the most uh favorite movies people uh, children but also adults watch it's all about become being super strong super powerful without any consequences without any polarity without any um yeah paradox and so people really yeah they they live in a bubble and uh, not in reality and so those actually 
not all, I, I do not see them having so much doubt or feeling the imposter syndrome. I wish they would. I wish. Because that's, that's where, because these children, even though they are super confident, they are conditioned. They are the ones who are conditioned to be workers and they are the ones who are conditioned to be leaders. But it's both a conditioning. It doesn't make, one doesn't make the other better necessarily. It's like narcissism. There is the positive and the negative. We talked about it already, I think, last time. The positive is the one who says, oh, I'm like, God, you love me. I'm your king, basically. You do what I tell you. And then there are the ones who say, well, I just want to follow you and uh, do what you tell me. And if I do that, I want you to love me. It's, it's a negative form of narcissism. So you don't love yourself. You want others to love you. And the positive is, well, he loves himself, but not truly. I mean, it's not true self-love. It's just a projection of what he wants to be. But he wants the others to love him and to see how great he is. So <laughs> it's a... Uh, it's just the same thing of the same metal, another side of the same metal. Yeah, so I wish that there would be more failure, more doubt happening, actually. If you, if you look at media nowadays, if you look at, at school, there is no place for doubt. There is no place, even in science, there is no place anymore for doubt, for questioning. If you question a theory, if you questioned some time ago, Big Bang, people would think you're stupid. No, so so questioning historical facts, no way. Questioning even now uh, facts of the now, like facts, so-called facts, like questioning the war in Ukraine right now. What's happening right now in Ukraine? You you are immediately an outsider if you just question because in the time where there is war, you have to pick the side. That's what they say. <laughs> Then when will it finish? In the time of COVID uh, it, uh, crisis, you have to pick the side. When will it finish then? So in the time of, uh, there will be always some time where you have to pick a side until you don't, until you realize I do not have to necessarily pick a side. I have to think for myself and be create my own side if, if necessary. So this is the thing. But then if you do that, you, you start to become afraid. You start to feel that emptiness of not belonging. Then occurs the question, who am I? That's too frightening. That's too, too much. The greatest fear of humanity is not pain. It's the fear of emptiness. And so uh, belonging is the fear of emptiness. Yeah, that's, that's well said. Um, so... One one thing I kind of want to pivot to is more more on the side of of the fear. So failure obviously is a is a big controlling factor in not only our country, our lives, the world, uh, all throughout history. But failure is a good thing, as as we've talked about. But the, the fear is is really what holds people back and I, I think it's you know the the unknown is what scares people the most and 
it seems as though when we are children, if we're not allowed to to test these boundaries or when we're uh, a little bit older, teenagers going through puberty, if we're not able to test these boundaries, then there is a fear because we do not know where, for one, these boundaries are, and for two, what happens if we go beyond the boundaries. Yeah. It's good to, to let children play if you see that they are playing consciously, so with awareness. Uh, to take danger, but with a certain danger, of course, not too dangerous, like measured dangers, danger, but with consciousness. If you see that, if you see that your child is doing that, this is a very important point. And if you pr protect your child constantly from facing a little bit of danger consciously, if you see your child is not conscious, it's just kind of running like a, like a chicken without a hat, we say in Zen, then yes, you have to, even the slightest danger can be a problem, can be problematic. But if it's a little, some like it's, let's say it goes on some balancing on some kind of lock in the forest, which is not too high. So, and you see that it really is doing it cautiously with awareness, carefully. Then it's okay. You, you, sh you maybe need to, to let your child do that. You can be somewhere near to the child, so, but not uh, disturbing that process because that process is very crucial. Very important. Yeah. And just uh, one thing to failure, if you, uh, what I didn't mention yet, if you look at all the inventions, if you look at all the great things that humanity uh, advanced and uh, great developments, many of them are found in failure. So not in um, just in focused and uh, logical thought process, but in uh, also, of course, it's included, but in failure. If you look at Zen, it, uh, most Zen monks do not attain awakening while being in meditation, while being in the Zendo, sitting in meditation. It happens when they have sex. It happens when they go shopping. It happens when they go through a forest. It happens during their sleep it happens all kind of occasions but not during meditation so failure is <laughs> there is not such a thing like failure failure is a creation of the mind so we have a goal we, we think this is how it should be and so on behalf of that then we can say this is failure but in reality mostly um it's not such a thing like failure. In order to make a failure anyway, you have to compare either yourself to someone else or your situation or action to a situation or action which was previous. So it's always going into the past or to someone else. But if there is no past and no previous, and if there is no someone else, what is there to fail you just trial and error try and error you do things you learn from it you evolve there's no other way if you lo look at genetics uh, science says that uh, it, it happened because of failure that we developed so 
is um, the less failure we do, uh, the less we develop. And the, the, the more we actually make true big mistakes. That's definitely the case. If you don't allow failure to some degree, we make huge we start to make huge problems, huge mistakes. And that's what uh, is the paradox, I think. So, so actual mistakes. Thing, things yeah, that like, could potentially be irreversible. Yeah, for instance, if you do not say, hey, okay, you know what? Um, it's uh, admit the failure that whatever we do, we have politically, let's say, we admit the failure. And so we instead, we don't have then World War Three because we admit that it was a failure to do what we do right now. And we instead, we focus on peace. But we cannot do it because we are so proud and we have to now go through it no matter what. Even if it means total annihilation, doesn't matter because we have to now uh, uh, follow that path rather than just admit defeat and admit failure. So it's and uh, also if if you don't teach the individual to fail and to embrace failure, then what we see is on the grand scale that there are huge mistakes happening. That's uh, basically the Jungian psychology, which is based uh, on that concept that there is the collective consciousness. So everything that we do not work on within ourselves is showing itself in, in the collective consciousness. So all the conflicts, all the problems that we face at this moment, like climate change, like uh, uh, pollution, all of this could be traced back from my standpoint of view, can be traced back to the collective consciousness and to the individual resistance to face one's own um, difficulties, challenges, trauma, abuse, conditioning. So failure is, is very important. We have to allow it. We have to embrace it uh, in both systems. But in that other system, the child who went through that system, there is no failure. It's, it makes mis it does make something sometimes not the way it should be done, but it's it's all right. It will not feel judging itself or feel bad about it. We'll just try it again until it works or works maybe differently, or realize that it's not something it needs to do, and then do something else instead. It's not a problem. It's not a, anymore a big deal. So one it's, one thing that you deal with a lot is uh, is trauma, and could or how tied is the fear of failure to childhood trauma? Uh, so the the fear of failure as an adult, um, how how closely linked is that? It, it, does it spawn directly, or is it more loosely based? Yeah, I think it's uh, that's that's just one of the other aspects. So I was talking now generally about failure and the fear of it, um, which is in all of us. And then the, then there comes trauma, which uh, tops it. So 
if trauma, abuse, conditioning, I talked about the conditioning. So there is the abuse and the trauma or abuse coming from trauma, trauma coming from the abuse. So if that happened to you, if you were traumatized, then what can happen is depending on what trauma you had, that you will feel uh, triggered by certain things. So in that moment, it's not necessarily that you are afraid of failure. It's more that you are afraid of the uh, of what comes after the trigger is happening. So the pain that is stored in that trauma, the trigger is opening that trauma box. The box is opened, the trauma comes out. We experience a re-traumatization. We experience the trauma as if it happened right now. That's not the fear of failure, though. It's just the fear of trauma. But if the trauma is around, let's say you are in the class and you had to perform some some singing in front of the people and people laughed about you, uh, you you did some mistake or some, something. People laughed about you. Teacher made jokes about you. That can that's in a kind of an abuse situation and that creates some trauma and then. Again, it's not necessarily you're afraid of the failure, you're afraid of that trauma, of that pain that you experienced in that moment. So it's not so much the fear of failure itself as it is the fear of the pain that you experienced in that trauma. But then it's, of course, it's entangled and it becomes the fear of failure, right? So, yeah, it's complex. Uh, so that's why I say it's indiv really individual and solutions are never just one-sided it's usually a package yeah and um one important thing that you said i didn't i didn't went into it yet so it's fear right so that's maybe the most important thing so how to deal with fear so now it's like uh, we are like it's like legal right uh, the fear of failing but actually behind this is just fear right so fear generally it's fear how to deal with it well that's a big question uh, that's a big question it's a very important question and again uh, now we have the other extreme we have to ex we are living in a time where we see at least through social media but i also if i go on the street i see this a lot in the west young people who are overly confident you see that also or is it just me? No, I, I would say that it's something I definitely see, um, especially due to social media. Um, yeah. It, it seems almost like it's it's a constant one-up. Everyone has to one-up everyone else. And uh, an, an overconfidence, a false confidence. Yeah. So overconfidence is always false confidence, right? Because it's over the top. It's why is it over otherwise? Just con why do you need overconfidence if you can just be confident, right? So there must be something wrong. It's too much pressure, and too much pressure on the machine is uh, is always at some point the machine will break. So something is off the limit, and so what is uh, from where is overconfidence coming? It's very interesting. Uh, not only we see overconfidence, now um, uh, at this moment we see something new. 
which is also a sort of overconfidence, but in a different direction, which is vulnerable narcissism. Vulnerable narcissism is a very, is a very interesting disposition in psychology. Many people do not know yet about it, it seems. Uh, what is vulnerable narcissism? It's a narcissism which is based on the victimhood. So um, ra rather than saying, hey, I'm a victim and uh, going to a therapist or working with other people on it or trying to find a solution, I go into the world and use my victimhood as an identity and as a way of, of power against others, of using power against others. So I feel as a victim, but rather than feeling as a victim and healing it, I just use it as a weapon. It's a kind of a weaponized victim. So um, that's what vulnerable narcissism is, simple explanation. And so what happened? What is it? Where is it from? What, where is it coming from? It's very interesting. It's simple. Now, what you see is many people were abused and conditioned and traumatized. Most people who, many people do not know that they were abused or traumatized or conditioned because that's their identity. <laughs> Why would you question your identity? If a child were abused, grows up, not necessarily the child will think, oh, I were abused. It's my parents. They loved me. That's the way they loved me. If I have no other example and if I don't suffer too much from it, and things work out for me in some ways, uh, then I will never find it out. Maybe if something breaks, I get a, a psychological mental disposition or a mental breakdown, then I go to the doctor, psychologi uh, psycho uh, psychologist or something, and then I realize, oh, I were abused or I am traumatized. But other than that, many of us do not know it. Then there is this, the shadows that we do not know about, like the basically the, the things that we have in our subconsciousness without knowing it. So the, you can call it whatever happened to us, our traits that we push away, do not want to see it and project it upon other people, uh, nations, so all of that. Now I forgot the, uh, where you were. Can you remind me? Um, so the, 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 the narcissism, the, uh, the, the victim mentality. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, thank you. So the victim mentality is actually, is nothing but a victim who rather than healing its own wounds and attending them and finding solutions just gets empowerment. That means you read all over, become the, the most, the most powerful person that you can be, live out your potential. Don't be a victim, be powerful. So what happens is that all that people who are actually victims, and it's no problem to be a victim, we all wear and have an inner victim archetypically within us, according to Jungian psychology, which we have to, to look at and attend to. So what happens is that all those people rather than healing, rather than transforming that energy, that sadness, that anger, and so forth. They become empowered. And so in reality, it is not them empower. In reality, it is the inner victim 
uh, or the victim who becomes empowered. So now we have all these powerful people who are actually not powerful at all. It's just that their victim is powerful, so powerful that it overpowers them and others. And so now everyone tries to overpower each other. <laughs> and that's basically what we see. We see it in individuals, in groups, and in political, in whole nations and political world leaders. I am a victim and now I have to demand from you that we have to, you have to fight for me and protect me. We have to just, uh, fight for the whole world, even if it means to destroy this whole world, no matter what. You know, so this victim mentality becomes power. And that's not good because from that, never something good can come for it because it's not true power. True power comes when we transform our victim, when we look at our pain, when we heal that pain, when we include the victim yeah, in I, ourselves. I, I see a lot of that within this new this new uh, or like neo-Marxism of, you know, this person is the victim and therefore we must transform all of society because of this victim. And exactly. Like the, like the children in Europe, in, in Germany, all the teenagers and children, they go to the streets and say, uh, the old generation is responsible that we will not have... Uh, 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 we will not have children anymore. You are basically destroying the world. Sure, it's easy to say that the older generation is responsible for your unhappiness or that your future. It's easy to say, and I don't deny that there is some truth in that. But the problem with it is that you do not take your own responsibility. You just give it away to that exact people that you blame. And so it will not change the world that way. The world will not change like that. It will just get worse. And that's exactly what we see. Now, all that people that were in Germany in the Green Party and um, voting for uh, pacifism and um, protecting nature, getting out of nuclear energy and so forth, now they are the greatest warmongers and uh, pro-nuclear uh, energy and doing it, the opposite of what they wanted to do. And I'm not political. For me, it's, it's just, I look at it from a therapeutical point of view. For me, politics is just another game, so uh, which I wouldn't like to uh, attend. But it's very, I, um, I must include everything because everything is part of our true nature, even politi politics is part of it. So I know most spiritual teachers do not include it because they are afraid of it and they do not want to get into trouble, but that's their thing. I, I'm not mainstream, so I do my thing. I don't care if uh, many people like me or dislike me so much as I care for authenticity and truth. So that's why I include everything. Well, I, I, I definitely, I, I don't enjoy the fact that uh, politics is so prevalent and so important. Um, I personally believe that politics is downstream from culture and that culture is really what guides us more than anything, our, our society, our communities. 
and everything else comes after. And it, it, it seems as though, um, at least here through my experience, I've, I've noticed a, a politics have turned into culture, or at least there's been an attempt to turn politics into the next reality show. And I, I, it's definitely filled with that narcissism, but also that pride to where people will say things like, oh, just shoot off that, that nuke. Like, what are you doing? Uh, not being able to admit that they're wrong. And it, it definitely seems like a destructive path that we're going down um, collectively. Um, a lot of people, whether whatever side, I, I see a lot of people trying to uh, prevent this from happening, but it does seem as though that there are a, a prevailing false authority who continues to push this idea that uh, politics are culture. I don't see any distinction anymore, honestly, between politics and culture in our society. I, I don't see it. Everything is politi political. In the time of uh, World War II, before that, I think, the Olymp there were Olympic, Olympic Games in Nazi Germany. And who, wants, who wanted Nazi Germany? Of course, but still they remained with the idea that sports is beyond politics. Sports should be beyond even uh, not, uh, not Nazism. So they allowed it and they did the games and it was good. There was actually one of the best runners at that time was a black American who win and he became a legend. Many people didn't, don't even know. He went against Germans. It was great. It was good to see. Also for the Germans, good to, to experience. So how is it that we are now in a time where sports is political, where uh, people, some people are excluded and some people are not good enough to compete or are, are bad, the guy, bad guys and cannot compete? How is it possible that now certain parts of culture are dismissed? Certain opera singers cannot perform because they come from a certain country. How is it possible? What has art, sports, and sports to do with politics? Nothing. How is it even possible that certain professors who speak against some, some ideas that are mainstream now have to renounce? I don't understand. But others who are extreme in some ideas can stay doesn't make sense because anyway we don't stick with one professor we have many so we can choose which professor we want to go to we can have a free will right and we can also go to a bad professor and learn a lot good from the bad example we need bad examples but if a society does not allow you to have bad examples it means that they do not want to you to think for yourself that's all why is there choice in the first place? Why are we so proud that there is choice? Choice makes no sense. We don't need choice. What makes sense is we need to think for ourselves. And so choice gives us that possibility to think for ourselves, but not necessarily. Because if you are just having choice between the one and the same thing, you don't learn to think for yourself. You just think that you think for yourself. In reality, 
you the choice that you make is already chosen for you and it's already pre-chewed for you and you you just uh, you you play a game which is not yours and yes and in truth in reality and neuroscience knows that also nobody has a choice because everything is subconscious anyway so most of the things most of the choices we make are subconscious so neuroscience according to neuroscience 80 90 percent of our choices but that is that's where zen comes forth philosophy comes like true philosophy like comes forth or Taoism or meditation or all that where we can learn to face our subconsciousness to know ourselves study ourselves and by this realize who we truly are and then we start to have more choice we have we start to have true choice but even that true choice you see paradox in the paradox it's a never-ending story i shouldn't maybe say that because it's too complex for most maybe right now it makes too much but on the highest level there is no choice but in but at the same time there is choice there is no choice and there is choice we have to accept the paradox we have to accept that both can be at one and that's where actually everything starts this is the middle way learning to accept the, the paradox it's the black and between, white white and black yeah the difference between things you can control and things you can't control and you can exactly. always control yourself yeah yeah that's it's it's really interesting um i've always been fascinated by the idea of controlling others uh whether it you know be through the government experiments of mk ultra or anything like that this like brainwashing mind control it, it's always fascinating especially what what they <laughs> ended up concluding is that it's just a lot easier to pay people to behave badly instead of having to go through the trouble of brainwashing them. And it, it's, it's just interesting. I've always prescribed to the idea that you can control yourself and nothing else. Um, because of that, you're able to, in a, in a minuscule way, you're able to control your surroundings. You're able to manipulate small objects and things like that. But collectively we're able to, uh, do wonderful things but first you have to control yourself more than anything and i i believe it's uh jordan peterson who's been pushing the idea that you should you should be a a dangerous person but with self-control because you should know those outer limits and yet you should can have the uh the word i'm looking for the 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 self-control to be able to contain that yeah jordan peterson is a controversial figure and Quite. he is on the he's on the other extreme and uh, i do enjoy some of what he says um just for the extreme of it because it's something that you do not hear anymore as much and in the end the truth is usually somewhere in between so in the middle of it but we need also extremes because you see on a grand scale of things 
we need the extremes to meet and they that extremes that extreme views ex people with extreme views they clash and from that clash something comes forth first of course conflict strong reaction but after the reaction what happens is evolution so no matter what it will be it, either it will be an evolution of um, of the consciousness so we will become more self-aware as a, as a whole as a as humanity or there will be no humanity and there will be just a few humans or no humans and this beautiful planet with flora and fauna because we cannot destroy it we can only destroy ourselves the planet cannot be destroyed even uh, when the dinosaurs died the planet was there so we wouldn't have developed right so even with all the nuclear weapons that we have we cannot destroy this planet but we can destroy ourselves we can destroy the planet for us but that's okay for the planet that's then that's what has to be yeah the it's planet a, will keep a, going yeah it's a sad thing for humanity yeah yeah but um, maybe that's what it has to be if it had if that's what it has to be then we cannot do anything about it but me and you we we do something about it even if you can reach one person yeah. that's already good that's already good to open the mind and heart of that one person because one person now is not much but if you take 1000 years or 10000 years which is not much for this earth then it can be a whole generation of enlightened people yeah it's that butterfly effect yeah so we have to think outside of our box that also means to think outside of our age and limitations and then everything makes sense then it makes sense that what uh, we do even if we just reach a couple people not a majority of people anyway if you reach a majority of people usually there is something wrong with you so because the only way to do that is to to um the only way to do that is that you have to become mainstream you have to feed them with what they want to have with what the mass wants to see and wants to hear and wants to experience if you give the mass something that they do not know yet then that what you said before the fear of the unknown sets in and it's impossible to re to to go there so yeah typically um you know truth speakers have never been the popular ones all all the way back to plato you know all the way back to socrates so yeah. i mean the first democrat was killed by democracy so that's where yeah. democracy was <laughs> basically killed because Speaking plato was plato uh, socrates was um criticizing democ the democratical democratical process he said that it doesn't make sense if just demagogues use their power and manipulate the masses then democracy is obsolete doesn't make sense and he also criticized the gods that people believed in so just by criticizing it they made a, a huge gathering and they decided uh i don't know like 80 to or i don't know 70 to 30 or i don't know 80 to 20 i have no idea but 
it wasn't so clear, but they decided to that Socrates has to uh, kill himself, basically drink the the poison. That's what he did. Yeah. So that's when when democracy basically died, as from my standpoint of view. But at the same time, democracy, as Churchill said, democracy is the best thing that we have. It's not uh, good as uh, the best thing that could be, but it is the best thing what you have right now in our Western culture, countries, and it's okay. But it doesn't mean that autocracies like China um, is bad necessarily. We have to see not only the bad, we have to learn also to see the good and to see the things from a higher perspective, from a grand perspective. Imagine if China, which is one of the biggest countries in the world, would have democracy. There wouldn't be China anymore, right? It, it would disappear. Yeah. <laughs> there would be many different countries. They would fight each other. We see that with Russia when the UDSSR disappeared. That's one of the reasons why we are now maybe near to a nuclear war because that country separated and now they are fighting each other. It's what it used to be. Ukraine used to be part of UDSSR, right? So now they are fighting each other. So. Uh, Azerbaijan and uh, Armenia are fighting each other. So many wars right now. So it is not necessarily good. We have to think also from human nature perspective and not from our ideal perspective, like how things should be, but how things are. And unfortunately, most many people are still in a very dual way of living and thinking. And so conflict is inevitable. And that's why it is better to keep peace in the region rather than separate it in many pieces and then they just fight each other. It's not democracy. It's no democracy happening there. Yeah. Same like yeah. America wanted to bring democracy to Afghanistan and Iraq and Libya, but in the end, it just made things just worse than before. It was never so, going to happen. Exactly. And not necessarily it has to be. It's different people. Yeah. They want different lifestyle and democracy is not necessarily the best thing for us it's the best because that's what we know but we have also one of the highest suicide rates in western countries why why is so many people are depressed why so many people take drugs so so it's not so simple it's complex and i know most people do not want to see that complexity because they want to feel superior so they say, no, democracy is the best, the Western way is the best. And because I belong to that tribe of Western societies, I am so perfect and, and good and better than these people. So it gives you a feeling of superiority and self-righteousness. It gives you the, uh, the right to judge others if you, if you want. Well, but it's, it's not good for self-development at all. Yeah. And it's not good for the world yeah. on the long run. Yeah, I think unfortunately there's there's always going to be a bit of that um a bit of that conflict um at some point in time it it seems as though uh two of the larger systems are going to have to either figure out how to coexist or come to blows. Uh it seems as though those leading the charge for whatever reason they are in these positions um seemed hell-bent on spreading it across the world instead of just being okay with what they have that's a very good one hmm. i would question that you see because um, not what you say but just that general idea which a lot of 
alternative people like like us i would call us alternative people so um, if you allow me so um believe they believe that it's the, some powerful people who basically control the the poor victims the sheeps right there is this couple wolves or lions who control the sheeps i question that idea very much and I make myself even unpopular in that community. <laughs> <laughs> so why I question this? Because from my view and realization, if you um, if you take away the wolf or the lion from the equation of the sheeps, what happens is the sheeps will start to look for a wolf or a lion, they will pay him to be a wolf or a lion, just to be back into that equation of sheep and lion, wolf and lion uh, and sheep's. That's my my view. That's my understanding. So that's also why we do not evolve yet so fast, because those who are awakening are still believing that there are some people who are controlling and then there are the sheeps and they are somewhere in between. No. The reason why the wolf and the lion has power is because the sheeps are giving the power away. They have the power, but they are giving it away to the wolf and the sheep, uh, to the wolf and the lions. The wolves and the lions wouldn't have ever, no power at all. They are very actually weak compared to the to the ability that the sheeps could have as a as a collective but the, the sheeps they say no come here wolf come here line i will give you even money i will pay you and from time to time you just eat someone and you tell all of us that you're not going to eat anyone else only this only this you will eat and so we all think, no, it will not maybe be me. It will be only the other. But that fear will make the sheep live in a, a little bit of excitement. But at the same time, it doesn't need to think for itself because there is always the lion or the, the wolf who decides. Yeah. And it doesn't need to face its own shadows because the wolf is the bad one. I'm just a sheep. I'm just good. I have nothing to do with the bad. I am innocent, right? Yeah. That's the problem. It's the, because the individual does not want to face its own problems, its own shadows, trauma, abuse, madness, inner Hitler. I, I saw uh, an interview between um, what was this uh, philosopher professor's name again? Roger. No. The one that you just mentioned. Uh, oh, Jordan Peterson. Exactly. He had an interview with a very famous English interviewer. I, I'm not good with names, but he's very famous. And Jordan told him, well, you know, in a way, we all have inner Stalin and Hitler within ourselves. And yeah. the interviewer looked stunning at him like, really? You know, and J Jordan... He didn't went on, on that because he didn't want it to go with this guy into provocation. I don't know. He kept it low level. So he didn't went into it. But that says it all, you know, like, yeah. 
he doesn't even question, he doesn't even think about, he didn't study at Jungian psychology, he didn't study psychology at all, this guy, but he is a famous um, reporter, uh, interviewer. He should study a little bit psychology, he should know a little bit more about humanity and himself, but he doesn't. So that's the narrative. We are all sheep, we are all innocent, it's the other who's the bad. And that's the problem. So as long as you say, okay, it's the powerful who control us, it's the powerful uh, who are doing all the bad works, you don't you see your own power. You don't face your own power. And you don't see that it is you who gives that person the control. It is you who has who is projecting on that bad, powerful person, that bad secret society. You are projecting on them your own madness, your own darkness, your own inner Stalin Hitler. How many people can say that they know their inner Stalin, their inner Hitler, their inner mm -hmm. madness, that they know, that they face it and they know it, that they have it? How many people? Yeah. I can say it. I know my inner Stalin. My wife knows. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I know it. You know, we all have it. And that's the beauty of therapy. The beauty of Zen is not to become uh, a better human being, but to become a human being, to co be compassionate with what you are, rather becoming something special that you are not. That's what Zen and therapy work is about. And anyone who sells us this idea of becoming better than when we, what we are, or live out some potential that we don't have yet, and so forth, I would question that. There is, of course, potential in us that we don't know. That's for sure. But what they mean is something else. They mean, like, uh, they have a certain specific idea of that potential, like becoming more vibrant, becoming more energetic, becoming more wild. Like, for example, I saw last time on Instagram, um, I sometimes study just for, for therapeutical reasons. So a guy who's selling that idea of wildness, we are all domesticated and we all need to be more wild. Look at that pineapple. This pineapple is actually wild, he shows. And then he shows a domesticated one. It looks completely like normal. Uh, like we know it usually. Yeah. And yes, he's right in a way. It's nice. I, I would love to actually eat that wild pineapple, you know. And yes, it is true that we, have, we are domesticated, many of us, and that we have to learn that wild side. But what does it mean wild? Wild is all the darkness that we don't allow ourselves to come for. It's all that quirkiness, all that craziness that we have. It's part of creativity. But to say that domestication is bad is the same mistake. It's just another extreme. Of course, domestication is nice. I, I don't want to have a wife who, I don't know, uh, is completely crazy and goes uh, there and tomorrow here and doesn't take about uh, care of the child because she thinks she's wild and she needs to go to the party and just leaves the child somewhere else or whatever, you know, whatever wild can mean in that direction, uh, completely out of norm, of the norm. Domestication is also beautiful and it's also part of our process and uh, humanness and Zen is all about domestication. It's about containing yeah. and focusing that energy. But if you do too much Zen, you become one of those many Zen monks who are just living in emptiness and overly focused and overly control freaks and never allow themselves to be human. And 
uh, to express their humanness and to talk about crazy things or politics or anything. They only talk about the Buddha nature and Buddha Dharma. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Everything they say. So, uh, or they don't talk at all because speaking is not wise. It's better <laughs> to be just quiet and not say anything, right? So, yeah. Both is good. We need domestication, but we can also be wild at the same time. That's yeah. the key. Why not the par again? Paradox. In the paradox, we can have both. Yeah, stop but being again, so this... uptight, but you got to buckle down. Yes, to buckle down. exactly, yeah. exactly. Well, on that note, I, I I think we'll wrap up this session here, and I think it's a good note to end on. So, first, I would like to say thank you so much for coming back on, and I definitely want to get you back on again because the these are important conversations and. uh I really and en really enjoy our time together. So, uh, on that note, is there anything you would like to uh, shout out? Let people know where they can find you. Uh, they can find me on Clubhouse, on Instagram, Gion Zenmaster Gion Bonstein. Just Google it; you can find me anywhere. Yeah, I work as a therapist and as a Zen master. Or actually, I do both. I connect that system. It's kind of a Zen therapy. And um, I will start doing also groups at some point again. I did it for 10 years now. Now it's a break time. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you so much, Jacob. I, I, love, I love you. <laughs> Thank yes. you very much. Same back to you. Uh, there, there are uh, his links in the episode description to where you can find him. So make sure and go check him out. He has a great Instagram. Um, and uh, as far as Rise to Liberty, you can find us at risetoliberty.com slash links, and that will link you to everywhere we are. We are, of course, being suppressed by the soft censorship of our big tech overlords. So go ahead and fight that censorship by liking, sharing, and subscribing, and getting messages like this out there so other people can benefit from these conversations. There needs to be more of these conversations out in the world. So thank you once again, Gian, and uh, everyone else. Until next time, stay free, my friends. Thank you very much.